1: Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophel. Marca Mesuto Ophel. Qué golazo de Alexis Sánchez. Esto es un auténtico golazo. Fantástico. Minuto 27. Lo ha hecho absolutamente todo.
2: This is Arscast Extra. Welcome to another Arscast Extra. As always, with James from Gunner Blog. I'm pretty sure this is a goodly morning, James.
0: It is a goodly morning. I was trying to think if there's a word, if we need to upgrade really for a morning.
2: Superbly like morning? I don't know. Superbly
0: morning. I mean, it's it's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas, isn't it? It's come early this weekend. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Boy. I mean, it was pretty terrific all around, I'd say. Yeah. I think so. A minor blips, one at White Hart Lane that I'm sort of, you know, casually averting my gaze from, but everything else, thoroughly enjoyable.
2: Yeah, you know, and and some people would have a lot to say about this weekend, some people wouldn't have very much to say at all, you know. uh, No thoughts, no comments. no comment. uh, That that guy might not, (laughs) he might not have much to say this weekend. Um, It's tempting to to do the entire second half of the
0: show just answering all questions like that. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. In tribute.
2: Here, uh, dear Andrew and James, when everyone Fit. Who, who's our best eleven? No thoughts. No thoughts. No comments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, he he
0: looked brilliantly sad, didn't he? I mean, I, I, I it feels like he hates his job and his life. At the moment, yeah. it, it
2: looks a bit well, like. Well, he's admitted
0: yeah. as much, hasn't he, in Manchester?
2: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, his poor life in a luxury hotel. You know, he's been speaking out about how desperately sad and lonely that existence is. And then I suppose there must come a point in your life where you go, look at what look at what I've done, look upon my works and see what I've done. I've introduced Marouane Fellaini with four minutes to go, and within two minutes of coming on, he's given away a penalty. Um, Did did you see the clip? I saw a clip uh, as I was flicking around Twitter last night. There was no context to it. But basically what I'm assuming was uh, a United fan, a couple of United fans sitting there. One of them is wearing the big Fellaini wig. And he just sort of takes the wig off and storms off. I assume that's after uh, Fellaini had given away the penalty, which was really rather amusing. I mean, guys, if you if you
0: know a United fan, it's very clear what you have to get them for Christmas. It's a Fellaini wig.
2: <laughs> for the United fan in your life this Christmas, Fellaini wig.
0: Yeah, I think definitely. I mean, maybe forget about Christmas, just get it for them today. Yeah. I think we should all wear Fellaini rigs, wigs, really, in, in tribute to what he contributed to the weekend. I mean, the funniest thing about that is I've watched it again this morning. I, I'm not. Entirely sure, it's a penalty. The yeah. guy really throws
2: himself <laughs> yeah. over the tackle, right? That's what I thought. I thought it was like a little bit clumsy of a tackle, but he didn't. He didn't stick his leg out. He sort of hung his leg back, and the Everton guy uh, threw himself into him and, and tumbled over. And it did look uh, at first stage like it was probably a penalty, but when you see the replays, it, it probably wasn't, or is was a little bit generous anyway, to to say the least. And uh, that, of course, makes it all the more amusing because that would inflict more pain on Jose Maria absolutely
0: absolutely although he was you know doing stuff to get his own mood up during the game have you seen that clip of him sort of taking a sniff out of his coat uh, sleeve yes
2: I'm not sure what that was and I think it would be (laughs) <laughs> i mean i know what it looks like <laughs> i know what it looks like but i think we'd be probably wise not to make any suggestions about what it could be you know um, <laughs> yeah, of course. Of maybe course. he just had a cold and he's got some vicks vapor rub uh, on I his think sleeve it is i think that's exactly v- what it is vicks vapor rub yeah, you know, yeah, as they yeah. Call it. jose jose what uh, what, what, what were you doing jose no thoughts no comments all right okay <laughs>
0: Um, I mean, yeah, you almost couldn't blame him. I mean, he's having a a torrid time. I I saw he hasn't won a game against the top half of the Premier League for for a long while, apparently, now. His record is not good. I think it was something like one win in a million games or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, long may it last. He does seem miserable. He does seem to... Yeah, I don't know if it is a kind of weird... I mean, is it like a... You know, like Scrooge or whatever, he's being shown his his deeds, and he's sort of going through that process of realizing how poorly he's treated people all his yeah. life. I don't I,
2: know. I don't know. I don't care. I'm just I'm just enjoying it. <laughs> I said this last week, and I said it on the podcast on Friday that uh, while it's going on, I'm going to enjoy it to the full. You know, I'm going to bask in the glory and the the warm glow of of Jose Mourinho's pain. Uh, Schadenfreude it may it might be, but hey. Uh, Maybe it won't last forever. Maybe it will. And if it does, then, you know, the world will probably uh, be a much happier place. Um, Mm. But yeah, great. And of course, what happened at the end of the uh, Chelsea-Manchester City game was, uh, in some ways, disgraceful. I thought the Aguero tackle was absolutely horrendous. He launched himself at David Luiz, didn't he? Those two have a bit of previous, of course. Uh, So that's a four-game ban for Sergio Aguero. Um, which is obviously going to impact City a great deal. And then uh, he's going to miss the game against us in a couple of weeks' time, as is Fernandinho, who <laughs> who was victim to a little bit of sesc Fabregas, being a bit sesc Fabregas.
0: Yeah, very much so. You, you, I mean, he, he, uh, he did he sort of slap at him? Well, a slap's probably exaggeration, but mm. he definitely touched his face, didn't he? And yeah. I'm sure... I'm sure there are a few words in there, too. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't hasten to suggest there'll be something said as well. Yeah. Fernandinho reacted. Uh, the Aguero challenge was unbelievable. I mean, speaking of videos online, there's a great one where someone's overlaid Martin Tyler's famous commentary uh, of, of Aguero's title-winning goal to the tackle. So as he oh, mentioned really? on Luis, he just goes, Aguero! You
2: know,
0: it's very funny. Uh, it was, I mean, we're laughing at something that's really quite horrible. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, Luis is lucky that he got away from that without an injury.
2: He is. Um, I mean, and, if it had been John and, Terry, we would, of course, be applauding uh, Sergio Aguero this morning. But
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, getting up for an MBE probably. But uh, Aguero, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's the thing about Aguero. Like, he's th- he's probably... And maybe he's the best footballer in the Premier League. He's certainly maybe the best, you know, pure goal scorer. But he just never plays, seems to play enough games in any given season. And it's usually due to injuries. But mm. this season, that means he'll have missed seven games from suspension alone. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm delighted,
2: to be honest. No, me too. I guess it also would probably speak to an inner frustration that when a player lashes out like that, they really are frustrated at maybe just the way that that particular game was going, but also uh, things in general. I don't know. I mean, uh, it must be very disheartening to be a great striker playing in a team that literally has no defence to speak of. Um, Mm. they're, They're really, really poor defensively, but... Uh, look, it was uh, it was fun, it was entertaining, it was great to watch the end of that particular game, and even though it was Chelsea that won it, and obviously that's not something any of us can really enjoy, you, you know, those kind of handbags and histrionics and, and stuff, it's just it's just terribly entertaining, I think. Yeah,
0: it is, it is. I mean, it's, it was a bit reminiscent, actually, of Spurs at Stamford Bridge last year. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, you know, yeah. When right at the end of the season, they lost their call. It's a little bit early, so you've got a bit soon on on that one. But mm. yeah, happy to see it nonetheless.
2: All right. And of course then, um to to make everything better or to, to improve things even further, we had a, a really fantastic win against West Ham at the well, London Stadium. I thought, Go on.
0: Absolutely. Well, if we're dealing with other people, we haven't even mentioned Liverpool's uh, efforts to entertain us at Bournemouth.
2: Oh yeah, that was that was fun. I watched the match of the day too last night because I was out yesterday and see it um, in real time. But uh, yeah, what a what a fucking bottle job that was. Yeah, I mean, really it was it was sort of it was it was like vintage
0: Arsenal, you know, mid-noughties <laughs> Arsenal. Uh, Three-one up, and they lost four-three, just completely collapsed. I mean, again, talk about a team who are good going forward, but don't have much of a defence. Mm. Um, I think the same thing could maybe be levelled at them. Uh, they had a couple of players missing, you know, Lucas at centre back, Milner at left back. Mm. Doesn't look that strong really on paper, and Bournemouth exploited that. And Jack Wilshere, he, he played all right from what I saw. You know, yeah. tidy without without ever being. Dominating, but you know, mm. a, a good contribution to the Arsenal cause from Jack Wilshere. Yes, so.
2: absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, a good a good weekend, all in all, and uh, just once more for Jose Mourinho. Sorry, had to be done. <laughs> had to be yeah. done. So look, uh, will we move on to ours? Because uh, you know, th- there's plenty to talk about from an Arsenal point of view, and plenty to enjoy from an Arsenal point of view. As much as we like to uh, take uh, all the pleasure we can from the misery of other people, I think we should also take some pleasure from what Arsenal did this weekend. And, and after Chelsea had beaten Manchester City. Uh, on Saturday, everyone was saying well that's a real statement of intent from Chelsea It's, it's it shows their title winning credentials and I think that's absolutely right and it just struck me that the game that we were facing against West Ham was a game in which we could do something similar, now I know I'm not saying West Ham or Manchester City in terms of the stature but just, uh, it felt to me that if we could go there and, and really do them really turn them over it would be a fantastic response to what Chelsea did, not just win and I would have taken a 1-0 absolutely no problem but going there and doing something that we haven't really done like absolutely hammering a team and we did it it was fantastic I know it was a bit late and everything but it was just beautiful to watch
0: it really was yeah I mean it was a proper battering you know mm. uh, I guess we did that against Ludogorets earlier this season as well uh, but in the Premier League I can't think of too many recently like that um, can you? I don't there was know, I don't a, the I mean, whole
2: game I think we won did we win
0: 4? one or 4-0 or something. Yeah, 4-0 maybe. And, and of course yeah. there was a
2: Sunderland game away, but it was a little less convincing, I think. I mean, the re- the response that we got from the substitutes that day at Sunderland was fantastic, and Giroud came on and, and scored a couple of great goals. But I just think from the, the, the way that we played throughout that game, uh, from the first minute, we were uh, finding space in behind West Ham, Monreal, Oxlade-Chamberlain down the left-hand side, maybe a bit of better movement, uh, better better balls into the box early on, I think we would have been ahead much sooner than we were.
0: Yeah, when you look at the chances we we could have had in the first half, I mean, the score, I guess, could have been anything by the end. Um, and we, we were helped by, you know, West Ham traditionally, mm. historically, should I say, is a difficult place to go. It certainly isn't at the moment. I think they're not helped in any small part by that stadium, which I wasn't there, but speaking to people who were, is apparently a, a nightmare.
2: It looks know. it looks weird on the telly, doesn't it? It just looks... Yeah. Um, it looks... Like The camera angle, maybe it's just something we have to get used to because we're not used to seeing football in that stadium, um, but it does look really distant. Actually, at the start of the second half, I don't know if you noticed, when the uh, the players were out on the pitch and the game was about to kick off, from the camera position, they zoomed in really quite close because the the players are far away you could see the what would have been the running track around and then the the camera sort of slowly zoomed in to give us the 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 pitch side view that we would have during mm. the game it just shows you how far away the cameras are from from the pitch let alone the the supporters
0: yeah, that's it. And, I mean, it seemed completely devoid of atmosphere um, and basically empty by the end of the game, of course. I mean, you know, can't blame them, I suppose, given the scoreline. But Arsenal were at it right from the first whistle. And I thought, I mean, we, we've all enjoyed laughing at Liverpool this weekend. We, we could probably enjoy another laugh if we remember that it was actually Liverpool who tried to sign Alexis Sanchez, you know, a few summers ago mm-hmm. for Barcelona. That didn't come off for them. We ended up with him and he was just supremely good at the weekend, I thought.
2: Yeah. Uh, I watched your On The Whistle video. You were very, very taken with uh, with the performance. <laughs> I don't think I've heard you sound that delighted in, in quite some time.
0: Well, yeah, I, I mean, I really was. I think... I just thought it was an excellent display, and I thought the three goals were of such high quality. I mean, the first one mm. really, you know, took my breath away. I mean, I, I mean, we shouldn't get carried away, of course. It was he who created the opener as well... Um, Francis Cockland playing a really big part with a good interception yeah. high up the field. And then Alexis skipped away and gave Ozil a tap-in. He's now scored more goals for Arsenal than he has for any other club he's played for in his career.
2: Wow. I believe that's also true of Alexis Sanchez. Oh, really? Apparently. I think, I think I read that somewhere this weekend, but I might have had a glass or two of wine. But I definitely know that's <laughs> true of, uh, uh, of the mess at um, I mean, And he's done it quicker than he did at Real Madrid as well. Right. Right, I and mean, when you consider how many other people are scoring goals at at, uh, at Real Madrid, so I don't know whether that makes any. I don't know what I, I don't know why I'm saying no, that. No, I don't know
0: what to conclude from that. Really, no, neither do I. Uh, anyway, <laughs> it, he's now also. I mean, I don't know why kind of says he's matched his Premier League tally for last season as well. So you know, basically, he's scoring goals now, and that's that's a good
2: thing, right? Uh, do you think that the fact that also was there, sort of uh, scoring goals and in for playing further forward certainly much less deep than he has been in a couple of the recent games was because we had Granite Xhaka in midfield. I know we're going to talk a bit more about Alexis and we're going to talk more about the goals and and, uh, some of the other players, but I thought Xhaka was really, really good in a not particularly flashy or showy way, but what he did was really efficient. Some of his long passing was absolutely superb. Yeah,
0: I agree. His passing was amazing. I thought he was excellent, and I thought it was exactly the sort of performance he needed, really, to cement his place in the team. Mm. Um, I, I, yeah, there was one pass in particular. I think it was out to Monreal in the first half on the on the left wing, where not only was the the distance perfect, but he he sort of managed to kill the ball. You know, it, yeah. it like didn't bounce at all. It was perfectly weighted. Um, so yeah, I thought uh, he was really really good, and I actually thought that his partnership with Francis Coquelin looked quite promising because Coquelin was you know doing the the dirty work as it were mm. not that Xhaka evades any of that I think actually he does quite a lot on the edge of his own box in terms of blocks and interceptions and tackles but uh, it enabled him to operate more as a kind of deep playmaker and maybe you're right yeah maybe that did free Ozil up to get closer to Sanchez but I thought Shaka gave us a a really good base and actually you'd have to say that Arsamega's selections all through the team kind of paid off you know he went for Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain ahead of Alex Iwobi, uh, and I thought he had a good game and then Gabriel Pallista at right back who not playing his natural position by any stretch, but I thought did really well.
2: Yeah, I think he did pretty well. You know, there was a moment early on, wasn't there, where uh, he was standing there and, and Alexis was like waving him on, go, go just go down there, go, yeah, go no, yeah. down down the wing, further, further. <laughs> go down the wing, and then I'll pass the ball to you down there. Um, and I think. Um, i'm not I'm not uh, trying to cast any aspersions here but I just think that there is a slight reluctance um, at times to to move it to the right hand side when we don't have Bellerin um, and that's not necessarily yeah. to do with Gabrielle or Carl Jenkinson or anything else I think that sometimes they look and think okay we'll go back over the other side but I thought Gabrielle did pretty well but he wasn't really tested a great deal. He took a couple of knocks, didn't he? He hurt his knee and he got a smack in the head and a, a nice cuddle mm. from Granite Jacket to make him feel better. Um, but West Ham, I suppose, when when they had somebody like Dimitri Payet out left, would have been expecting him to to give Gabriella a few more problems than he did, and he looked like he just could not be arsed.
0: Yeah, I mean, to be fair. You could level that quite a lot of that West Ham mm. team. I mean, they, they do look in, in in dire straits, to be honest. But uh, I, I think you're right. I thought Gabriel, when I saw him up against Payet, I feared that he'd get you know exploited a bit on that side, but he mm. didn't. But when you play him there, you do lose something going forward. That's never going to be his game, is it? He's never going to be a guy who's driving to the byline and whipping crosses in. Um, so it would be interesting to see what Arseneaga does with that position moving
2: forward. Mm, I could be wrong, but I think... The third goal did come from Gabriel putting in a cross. He overhit the cross to the back post, and I think Mesut Ozil or somebody picked it up. A third or fourth goal anyway, the Oxide-Chamberlain one, but one of them came from oh, a, okay. a, Gabriel, a Gabriel cross, but there you go. Yeah, I mean, I think Oxide-Chamberlain on the left worked pretty well. Um, he had a couple of bad moments. Uh, there was one in particular where he, where he got in the box, and it looked like, will I cross, will I shoot? And he went, croot! And, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, smashed it out and it was, it was pretty wasteful. And I thought, you know, Arsenal were a bit wasteful in that first half given the opportunities and the territory that they had. But I thought, uh, overall he did, he did pretty well there. Uh, great pass for Alexis. In the first half, when Alexis could have mm-hmm. uh, scored, uh, just took a heavy touch, which was a bit uncharacteristic. But yeah, I thought Ox, Ox was pretty good, and he's got some some good stats um, now. He's got, he got an assist, he got a goal, so I don't know what that brings. There's six goals, I think, already this season. Yeah, um, something like that. You know, so, I mean, when people said, we want more from Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, we want to see more uh, of of end products. basically, we're getting... We're getting that from him. And uh, he looks like a guy who's who's uh, who's found some confidence again. Um, the head doesn't go down as much. Uh, he's 10 starts, 10 sub appearances, 6 goals, 3 assists so far this season. So, you know, mm. compared to the last couple of seasons, that really is a step forward. And he, and he gives you... I mean, Arsene Wenger spoke about the
0: power he gives you on the counter-attack, mm. and that was really noticeable watching uh, the match at West Ham. You know, every time... We broke forward. He he seemed to be integral to it, um, but so yeah, I thought I thought he did really well. I mean, basically, it was it was an interesting one because it was kind of like we were so dominant in the first half, and we could have scored more goals. We didn't, and you did slightly fear then that we were going to allow West Ham back into it, especially with the kind of ongoing soap opera about will Andy Carroll come yeah. on or not.
2: <laughs> I was just about to mention that actually, it was ridiculous, wasn't it? I mean, I you yeah. know, I know Andy Carroll scored a hat trick against us in April and, you know, that, that feeds into the story of the game and, and what a threat he can be. So it's not like we're unaware of that, but this, they seemed just a little bit obsessed with what Andy Carroll was doing. Andy Carroll is warming up at halftime. Andy Carroll's getting ready to come on. No, Andy Carroll's put his bib back on. Andy Carroll's sitting down again. Andy Carroll is just sitting there being Andy Carroll.
0: At one point, they did literally cross to him to inform us that Andy Carroll was smiling on the beat. Uh, go on. It was kind of surreal. And, I, and, I, and also, I, after a while, you know, it took him some time to be introduced, I began to wonder, is he even fit? Is he just there as a kind of strange totem to try and spook us? Mm. Do you know what I mean? I think, um, I think... Send him out. Sorry, you go.
2: No, 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 no. I was just going to say, yeah, it, it did seem like that. That, uh, you know, just his, his sheer presence... His aura, his, his Andy Carroll, old spice, blue wicked musk would cause us some problems. Um, but you know, it was one, one nil when he was about to come on. Uh, just as he was waiting on the sidelines, Alexis scored his first goal. Um, absolutely sensational goal. Andy Carroll came on, and I think his first touch was to like clump the ball out for a throw. So. Yeah. It was a bit of an underwhelming intro, even though he did score, of course.
0: Yeah, he did score, actually. And Arsenal probably were a little bit guilty on that goal of just not reacting to Mm. Pyatt's free kick. As quiet as Pyatt was, it was a great free kick. Uh, And three West Ham players were kind of running in to knock in the rebound, pretty much unaccompanied. So, uh, yeah, we we can't have too many complaints about losing the clean sheet there. Mm. But the whole Carroll narrative that ran through the game... It was kind of funny that the moment he was introduced, when the game was relatively finely balanced, West Ham were making some semblance of recovery. That was the moment that Alexis, you know, seized upon the opportunity to score. And it was, I mean, that was an audaciously brilliant goal, I thought, that first goal. Oh, it was and br- yeah. P- yeah, I do think, like, there's been a lot of talk, understandably, about his third goal. But the first one is... Uh, I mean, there aren't many players who could score that,
2: No, put. no, it, it was amazing. The first touch was absolutely sensational, wasn't it? Uh, because Mustafi really fizzed that ball into him, and uh, he, he flicked it around the defender, held him off, shaped the shoot, shaped again, and, and then lashed the shot across the goalkeeper from what was a really tight angle. Um, you would expect, I don't know if you'd expect your goalkeeper to save it from, from that kind of angle, but... Uh, he just had no chance. It was absolutely brilliant centre forward play. Um, that if any player in the world had done, people would be you know completely creaming themselves about that goal. So for me, as much as I loved the the third goal, I did love the third goal a lot. Just the way he sat the goalkeeper down and did the little dummy and the, and the chip. It was mm. uh, the goal of a man of of huge confidence. For me, the the first goal was the best uh, out of out of the hat trick.
0: Yeah, me too. Me too, uh, and also the timing of it so mm. important. You know, it's like that uh, American expression about a player being clutch. You know, coming through in clutch moments is at the point where the game is sort of very finely poised. And he, I don't know, he he, he was the guy. Mm. He was the guy. He stepped up and he made the difference. And from that point on, it sort of became a question of how many really.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you know sometimes you have a game like that, and if if Andy Carroll had come on and equalized. And it's one-one. Everyone would go, "Oh God, here we go again." This is, you know, this is yeah. a, a road we've been down before, or a, a road well traveled, and we don't particularly like this road. But you know, this is what it is. But when you've got a player like Alexis Sanchez in the form that he's in, with the 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 ability he has, the quality he has, and the desire to make an impact on games that he has. It's those guys who can set your team apart from the others when it comes to a title challenge. That's what it felt like to me that, OK, we've we've had good players down the years. Um, but what we've had probably in our, our all of our title winning teams are match winners, guys who when you really, really need them to do something are able to and can change the trajectory of a game. And he's he's becoming that player now for us. Yeah, he is, and he can,
0: you know, if you look at that first goal, it shows you how much he can accomplish almost on his own. You know, that pass was fizzed into him at pace, and I know that's a good thing, but so few players would have been able to even bring that under control, let alone turn that into a goal-scoring mm. opportunity. And, uh, yeah, he's he's really having an absolutely outstanding season because when you look at the numbers as well, I think he's got 13 goals now, something like that. He's joined joint mm. top scorer in the Premier League. I think he's our most creative player as well in terms of assists, um, laid on another goal for us So, yeah, I mean, Giroud's been brilliant when he's been used this season and yet you can't knock him for that. When he's come off the bench, he's been very effective and when he started games, he's been good. But with Alexis through the middle, mm. we just seem a... Uh, a much stronger team. I, I'm much happier when I see the starting lineup with him up there at the moment.
2: Yeah. So a, a great goal from Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain as well. What a fantastic finish yeah. that was. And then of and course- he should
0: do that more often. He, yeah. you know, he's got that ability to... Well, I mean, he's doing it this season, but he's got the ability to hit the ball from range. Uh, some of his early goals for Arsenal were from real distance. So, mm. you know, he, we'd like to see a bit more of that, really.
2: He is our fourth-highest goal scorer this season. Uh, Alexis Sanchez on thirteen, Walcott on nine, Mesut Ozil on eight, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain on six. Um, That's good. So he does, yeah, he does have the ability, and it feels like there's there's confidence to his game. Um, and that does make a difference. Arsene Wenger speaking about confidence. Obviously, when he was talking about Carl Jenkinson, that he's a guy who's absolutely um, shorn of any confidence at this moment in time, which is why Gabriel was playing. Conversely, you're looking at Oxlade Chamberlain, who's beginning to feel like he can contribute in a in a big way again. So, uh, yeah, I mean, all in all, a really positive day. And obviously, he got the assist for for the uh, for the uh, third Alexis goal, slightly offside, ever so slightly. Mm. But that mm, takes nothing yes. away from the finish.
0: Well, that's it. Yeah, I mean, I thought in real time that he was probably offside, but uh, the the finish is just amazing. I mean, it's kind of like uh, Lionel Messi esque, isn't it? That little dummy and then the dink. And I think there's a brilliant angle where you can see. Uh, I think you tweeted it actually. The reaction of one of the ball boys behind oh, yeah. the goal, <laughs> which is just worth seeking out if you if you want to find it. Because it, I mean, I think it sums up how everybody felt really. Just like stunned by a pretty audacious. Bit of skill,
2: yeah, yeah, and I like the picture afterwards. I think they showed it on BT Sport. Uh, some of the West Ham ball boys taking, uh, getting a selfie with with Alexis, and that will show you how good he is. You know, uh, forget the, uh, the the whatever club it is that you support. You're just looking at a, an amazing player and enjoying what he's doing. So.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, when you look at the great players, they do kind of transcend that thing. You think of Thierry Henry and reception he got of Portsmouth, things like that. Uh, uh, with Alexis, it was a weekend, like, you know, anyone in that stadium would have to applaud that hat-trick.
2: Mm. Yes,
0: I would have. I, well, I, I, I'm sure certain West Ham fans didn't, but I think they should have done <laughs>
2: <laughs> you tell them then. You go and you go and tell yeah. them that they Slavon
0: Bilic. Why weren't you applauding that?
2: <laughs> yeah, he didn't. He didn't look like a happy man, did he? It's not going very well for West Ham this season. I mean, where are they in the table? They're they're pretty right low, low down there, aren't they? Um, yeah, yeah. This new stadium isn't really uh, doing what it should have done or what they wanted it to do. I guess. Yeah, they're just a point above the relegation zone. So there you go.
0: It's interesting down there. Leicester are down there. Mm. Um, you know they look in big trouble as well in the Premier League. So some some big clubs. I wonder. I, I'm,
2: surely it has never happened before that a team has won the title one season and been relegated the next. Is that? I don't think that's ever happened, has it?
0: No. I mean, surely what could, if they were to go down and see, what could never happen is to come up, win the title, and be relegated in the space of four seasons.
2: Oh, that would be that would be amazing. Is it four?
0: I, I think was yeah, it three? So they came up. They only had one year in the Premier League before they won it. Jesus. So yeah,
2: yeah. I'm putting some money on them to go down, just to sort of complete really? the bizarre, weird trajectory of whatever's happening to to Leicester City. Yeah, um... and, and
0: win the Champions League at the same time.
2: <laughs> yeah, that'd be quite a double, wouldn't it? Jesus. <laughs> It'd be amazing. So yeah, look a really positive weekend then from from an Arsenal point of view. Um, anything else that, that caught your eye over the course of this?
0: I'm just trying to think. Well, there was the Classico, but of course we didn't see it in this country because it was uh, within the 3 p.m. Uh, blackout.
2: Oh so it wasn't yeah, televised. Yeah, I, c- I couldn't watch it either. I was I um, was trying to buy some ducting for an extractor fan. That was my exciting weekend.
0: So, so we all we all had exciting weekends. <laughs> No wonder you had such a good one. Yeah, yeah uh, that was crazy
2: times. Let me tell you.
0: <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I mean, I think you know we covered most of. It. I mean, it's mainly Jason Reiner being sad, isn't it? That's the real. That's the real
2: excitement. No thoughts. No thoughts. No comments. Yeah, it really is.
0: Exactly. Nothing. Nothing further to add.
2: Nothing further, Your Honor. Other than to just sit back and laugh and enjoy. And uh, and uh, yeah. Enjoy a little bit more after you finished enjoying. You know, I think a, a number of people have asked, and it might be something we could touch on in the questions. But I'm I'm going to do it here. Um, when we spoke at the Ars Cast Extra Live, the live show uh, the other week with Amy and Philippe, we were talking about fuck off wins. That you know, you have these fuck off mm-hmm. wins which which give you confidence. A number of people have asked, was that was that a, a fuck off win?
0: Don't know. We'd have to ask Amy, I guess, because it was her, her term. Mm. Um, I mean, we de- it definitely felt like we told West Ham to fuck off. Yeah, fuck uh, off, West Ham. Was it as much of a fuck off win as Chelsea's win? I suppose that's the that's the question, isn't it? I think their win at City was definitely a fuck off win because it was a close game, one in which they could have lost, and yet they got the win, in, and mm. quite emphatically so. Um, we were very good against West Ham. Mm. But I think I don't know. I, I do wonder how much their inadequacy contributed to that. Uh, I mean, are you classing it as a fuck off win. It's a fuck off scoreline. That's certainly true.
2: You know, and I think you can take uh, you can take some of the fuck offiness of a fuck off win from a fuck off scoreline, if that if that makes sense.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's relative, like a fuck off yeah, yeah.
2: win would be. against Manchester United at Old Trafford. That would be the fuck offiest of fuck-off wins. But I do think that a team like we are needed a fuck-off scoreline as well. Away from home, we've been very good away from home. To go to a a London rival, a Derby game, and batter them 5-1, there's definitely some fuck-off to be taken from that, even if it's not necessarily Mm. a completely 100% fuck-off win.
0: I hear you. I hear you. Mm. I think you're right. I think it's a fuck-off school line. Yeah. And we should derive some satisfaction from that.
2: Mm. Jose, any, any thoughts on whether that's a fuck-off win?
0: No thoughts. No thoughts. No comments.
2: Mm. Okay. I wasn't expecting any <laughs> from him, actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no,
0: he's, he's playing his cards close to his chest at the moment.
2: He certainly is. Poor old Jose. All right, well, look, we're going to take a <laughs> short break and we're going to come back with your questions and more in part two right after this. Welcome back to the ArsCast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer the questions that you send to us by Twitter, at Gunnarblog and at Arsblog and also on the Arsblog Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash the Arsblog. But James, tonight you're going to be representing at the uh, FSF yeah. Awards.
0: I am, I am. It's going to be, well, it'll be lovely. Stiff competition, though, in the best podcast category.
2: Yeah, there is, there is. Uh, you know, big big <laughs> boys in there, in fairness. Uh, but of course, what you're going to do is go along to these awards. You're going to go mm. into the back of the hotel, the Renaissance Hotel, beautiful place that it is there at uh, King's Cross, and you're going to don the outfit of a waiter. What you're going to do okay. then, sneak into the kitchen, serve lasagna to all the, uh, the other uh, contestants that we face, mm. Tottenham mm-hmm. lasagna. You know what I'm talking about here. I know what you're all about. Before that, of course, you will have gone to any of the local pharmacies and bought up every single packet of Imodium that they have. So there can be no relief for our competition, and they will be vacating their everything. They'll have to vacate the premises, and you will be left to pick up the award by default. I think that's how it's going to go.
0: That's the kind of win we want. Would that be a fuck-off win?
2: Oh, that would be your absolutely fuck-off win. Fuck off, go okay. shit yourselves, win.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate. Absolutely. The
2: ultimate. No, we should say that, you know, the, all the other podcasts are are very good podcasts and there's no ill feeling whatsoever. We, we just really, really want to win.
0: We really want to win, yeah. And we hope you <laughs> shit yourself so that we can. Uh, and thank you to those who voted as well. I know we put out a couple of shout-outs asking for votes yeah. so, and people said they did, so thank you very much.
2: Thank you. you and to all the people who didn't, if we don't win, it's all your fault!
0: You damn you! Uh, on unless what. you, unless you legitimately prefer one of the other podcasts nominated,
2: in which case, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, that's a, that's just a matter of taste, I suppose some people don't have any, I guess. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> anyway, well, listen, have a have a great time there tonight. Um, I will. I'm going dressed as
0: you, so don't worry.
2: Oh, brilliant! <laughs> what are you yeah, going to yeah. do? Wear, <laughs> wear your wear glasses now? Is that what you're saying?
0: Oh, yeah, exactly. I've got my um, glasses yeah, how on are you now. You finding?
2: I'm. You know what? It's well, amazing. No, you haven't, right now. Well, I have them on right now. Yeah. Uh, maybe I should so, uh, take a picture and tweet it or, you know, something. Um, but I've got my glasses on right now. And uh, I was like, at first I was sort of like, well, I don't necessarily need glasses. I'm pretty sure I don't need glasses. And the guy said, eh, you probably do. And now that I've been wearing them, um, it's all like, uh, oh, shit, I really do. Uh, I can see things so much better, like my computer screen and my phone. It's It's a revelation, James
0: really so you just basically didn't realize you needed them is mm. that what
2: happened here? that's basically it um until such time as it was pointed out to me that whenever uh, i was reading anything or whenever there was anything up close i'd sort of hold what's that you know you sort of yeah. look away from it and stuff so uh, it turns out yeah my my close vision is affected so yeah it's it's quite something um to, to be able to see in, you know, real ways. It's, it's great. The, the gift of sight. Yes, you it's marvellous. It's marvellous. But look, when we get on with the uh, the questions? Let's have some questions, yeah. All, all right. Uh, uh, this one, uh, I'll go first here, because I have one right here. Okay. And it's from Mark Ledsome, at Ledsome Mark. And he says, is Shearer right? Is Alexis Sanchez not world-class until he wins the Premier League? Or is Alan jealous that he'd fall over trying a feint like that? I presume uh, talking about the uh, the step over for the third goal.
0: Yeah, I saw this. I saw this on Match of the Day. They reunited Alan Shearer's partnership with Chris Sutton, and oh, I've, I've never been less pleased to see them in tandem. Uh, Chris Sutton's not my favourite pundit. I must be honest with you. No, he's um, terrible. But he's one of the worst but uh, yeah they had the old Gary Lineker was pressing Shearer on whether Alexis now qualifies as world class having said previously that of course Sergio Aguero was the only world class player in the Premier League Um, he said if he wins the Premier League he will be Mm. I think I think that's nonsense I I think Alexis Sanchez is a world class player I thought that when Shearer said it at the time Uh, and I I still do I think obviously if he wins the, the Premier League it will make him an iconic Premier League player and a you know, a legend at Arsenal. but uh, I think his world-class status,
2: in my mind, is assured,
0: irrespective.
2: Mm. Uh, what about you? Uh, is he one of the best players in the Premier League right now? Yes. Is he one of the best mm. players in Europe right now? Yes. by that definition, does that make him world-class? he's up there with players who definitely are. So I would say yes. Um, I don't know that he has to win the premier league to be completely and utterly world-class. Uh, you judge that by the performances, I guess. And, you know, it's a team game. Um, so individuals can be as good as they, uh, as they want to be or can be and be let down by, by other things, you know? So I don't necessarily buy into that. You have to win the premier league thing, but, uh, Look, he looks like a guy who's really trying to drive the club and the team to success. Um, His individual desire to make an impact in games is incredible. And if that's inspirational to others around him, and if it it helps uh, drag Arsenal to greater success this season, then there'd be no question about it. Uh, But, you know, we know what we're seeing, Arsenal fans. We know what we're seeing. Uh, With Alexis Sanchez, Uh, he's scored more goals than any other Arsenal player this uh, season. He's got more assists than any Arsenal player this season. He is, to all intents and purposes, the main man. And, uh, you know, I think uh, the quality of his performances, his numbers, his stats and everything else would pretty much say, yeah, he's a world class player. Because who wouldn't have him right now? That's the other question.
0: yeah, well, that's the terrifying question, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, which what club would not want like Alex Sanchez? I think that's the point. And Shearer, I think, might be on something if Alexis had never won anything in his career. But in the last couple of years alone, he's won the FA Cup. And, you know, we might not th- think too much about it in England, but he's won the Copa America twice within mm. 12 months, with, with Chile as well, yeah. which is an incredible feat. He was the player of the tournament in 2016 at the Copa America. You know, he's won La Liga. Uh, he's won the Copa del Rey. He's... he's, he's He's accumulated plenty of medals in his career, so I don't think it's a question of oh he's a good player but he's you know, he's never really won anything. Yeah. He's won plenty. Yeah. Um the Premier League would, would crown that obviously and uh, for, in our eyes, because we we won it, or mm. the Champions League would be nice as well. Um but that's time. That's time.
2: Yep. Yep, yep. Okay. Your question?
0: My question. Uh, oh, okay. So this is something uh, I tweeted about the other day. But Jazz, who's at Jazz AFC, says, "Where do Alexis's three goals at West Ham rank among Arsenal's best ever hat tricks?" Um, pretty... I think on the qu- on the quality of the goals, it's got to be pretty high, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, everyone points to the to the Bird Camp at Leicester one, and. Yeah. There were two absolutely sensational goals in that uh, hat-trick. Uh, the first one, the curler into the top corner, and then the, the third one where he juggled the ball and stepped inside. The second goal in that hat-trick was oh, It was good, but it was one of those where... Didn't the keeper get a touch and it looped up and then in? You know, keepers yeah, or defenders yeah. getting a touch on the, the ball always slightly spoils a, a goal for me, uh, which isn't to say it's not an amazing hat-trick. Of course it is. Um... Alexis's first goal, incredible, like truly brilliant goal. Third goal, audacious, fantastic, uh, but a little bit offside. So I wonder, does that take something away from it? Second goal, that's one of those where if your goalkeeper had let that in, I think he might have been a bit disappointed. Would you be? Yeah, would you have been disappointed? Yeah,
0: I think so because I mean, it's quite clear where he's going to go. Mm. Do you know what I mean? He's yeah. going to go across him.
2: Um, um, but I mean in terms of the, the great hat-tricks I'm trying to think um, obviously Thierry Henry against Roma was was a great one um, yeah a,
0: uh, Canu at Chelsea Canu obviously. at Chelsea yeah
2: uh, uh,
0: but I mean I mean, obviously the the significance of those goals you know coming from 2-0 t- down to win back 3-2 I think obviously helps that one mm. um, there was a few, a few shouts on my Twitter timeline for Olivier Giroud at Olympiacos has been a good hat-trick Last yeah. Year.
2: Yeah, that uh, was one where that was one where we had to um we had to win that game. Uh yeah, it was well, a if good, what,
0: said t- Go on. Thierry Henry against Inter Milan, which as far as I recall was not a hat trick.
2: <laughs> he didn't he get scored twice He scored twice. Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh older Thierry listeners. against Liverpool. Uh yeah. Yeah. Thierry Henry against Liverpool. That was quite the hat trick. In particular, you know, the 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 goal, the dribble. Um yeah. That didn't. The importance of that game gives that hat trick something a little bit special, I think. Uh, older listeners will talk about, uh, Liam Brady against, uh, Tottenham, um, back in the 70s. Uh, mm. he scored a hat trick, but, uh, I, you know, I've seen videos, but it's not one that I lived. So, uh, I can't see, but you yeah. know, it's an it, absolutely fantastic hat trick. Um, and it's his, uh, the second of his Arsenal career, of course, because he got one last season against, uh, against Leicester away from home.
0: So he did, and that wasn't a bad hat-trick either. Is that not
2: like at cool? all. Speaking of Leicester, uh, Simon Parkigevan, I think. Sorry, Simon. Um, he says, uh, Leicester lose again this weekend, and he's not the only one to ask this question. Did we dodge a bullet not signing Vardy, who hasn't scored since September the 14th?
0: Well, I mean, it's looking that way, isn't it? I, look, I mean, obviously you don't know how a player would fare in different surroundings. But, uh, I mean, you do wonder how Vardy must feel about his decision now. I mean, obviously he's playing in the Champions League, but he's not even been a, a guaranteed starter for Leicester this season. He's been dropped mm. on a couple of occasions. He's been in and out of the team. Um, Okazaki's been playing and they, they brought the other guy in, Slim, uh, Slimani, is it? Yeah. But they... Uh, Yeah, I I mean, I think we did And if we had signed Vardy You know, we all this talk about Alexis And what success he's been through the middle Had we bought Vardy Mm. We may well never have seen that
2: Yeah, yeah So,
0: uh, look, I I thought it was a decent enough move To go for Vardy at the time I hold my hands up to that But it seems And so must Arsene Wenger You know, he he tried to do it, Mm. after all Yeah Uh, But it seems to have panned out pretty
2: well I think if we were to get an insight into Jeremy Vardy's mind, it would sound something a little bit like this. No! <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's good. I, I thought it was going to be another Mourinho, no comment, but you've, you've got quite the soundboard there. Yeah, yeah, up. for sure,
2: for sure. And uh, I, reckon, uh, I reckon that might go for Mahrez as well.
0: Yeah, possibly, possibly.
2: <laughs> is, that, is that your
0: door? It is my door. Don't worry; someone else can uh, oh. can deal with that. I'm All not right. going to answer it. Okay. Well, I, that, I mean, it would be exciting, but I mean, I'm going to just leave it. Unless it rings again. Um, <laughs> speaking of Mahrez, I mean, while yeah. we're on it, I, I sense there's probably no appetite from from you to go back for Jamie Vardy. But would you still be keeping one eye on the Riyad Mahrez situation, or do you think he's been stained by Leicester's poor performance this season? too? I, I
2: don't know if he's been stained, but I think I think he had the the chance. I think it could have happened. This yeah. summer, and he chose to to stay at Leicester. And you know, fair enough that's his that's his decision. He was loyal, but you know, someone said, was it someone? I think it might have been Shearer. Um, I found it strange to you know agree with anything that he said, but he you know uh, he was hinting essentially that players like Vardy, like Mares, who'd been given. Brand new contracts by Leicester, big, big money contracts. Uh, as a reward for what they did last season, uh, to be fair, they're not earning that money. And it feels like they've just settled into a kind of, well, that was a once-off comfort zone thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, they're they're really not providing any value for money there I mean it's interesting a number of people have been asking today as well Chris Kingle is one at Mr CJ Wright uh, the Draxler situation going on at Wolfsburg. Uh, he's having mm. a difficult time. There was booed by the Wolfsburg fans. Uh, the stories from Germany are that, like it's, it's, uh, it's all broken down very badly between him and Wolfsburg. Uh, a January transfer could well be on the cards. I mean, is that somebody that you think we could we could do? Is that something we should uh, pursue in January?
0: I don't know. I mean, it, you know, when you talk about January and you look at the squad. Um, if I, or if you look at the first team rather, mm. as well as oxlade Chamberlain's been doing, if I said there was an obvious uh, spot, maybe for someone to come in, you do wonder if it could be someone to to slip into that front three. I think Alexis uh, and Walcott have have done very well this season, but maybe there's a, a third player to complement them from that left hand side. Mm. Draxler could be that guy. You know, he, he's not, he, but he's not playing like it right now. Um, but the talent is is obviously there there's been long standing interest from arsenal so yeah that 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 could be one to watch maybe i mean i guess if it happens it'll be because it's kind of opportunistic it's yeah. the time to do it. it it's a deal that can be done and it's it's cheap and practical um if it, well, I don't think it would be cheap. Whatever happens,
2: <laughs> no, well, I don't think it would be cheap, but probably cheaper than it might have been in the summer. But here's, a, here's another question, just a follow on from me. A, a lot of people are asking, of course, after what Alexis did this weekend, you know how crucial it is to to keep him. You would, I imagine, mm. eschew any signings in January if it meant we could secure Alexis and Mesut on new long term deals.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Unless, you know, there was an extent to which a certain kind of signing could reassure them. But I think this is going to be about salary. Uh, you know, I think it was talking in the Telegraph in the past couple of days about them wanting to earn, have parity with the top earners of the likes of Manchester United. Mm. I mean, that's that's big, big money, you know. I think Zlatan Ibrahimovic is on about 250 grand a week. I think Pogba's on north of 300 grand a week. So, mm. uh, But but from an Ozil and Alexis point of view... They probably feel they can get that somewhere.
2: Yeah, and you made the point as well that, you know, if they go, you've got to spend, you know, that money on replacements yeah. to a certain extent. Now, there is, of course, the other issue that when you when you pay someone like Alexis or someone like Macedozo 250 grand a week, everyone else goes, well, okay, now there's too much of a gap. I accept that they're better and that they deserve more money, but the gap is too big and it does affect the rest of your, your wage bill. But is that mm. not the the byproduct of having world class players that you've got to pay them what world class players can get elsewhere if you want to keep them? That's yeah, just it's the it. The price you know? of success yeah. to an
0: extent. Yeah, yeah
2: exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's uh, like um, when people used to say, oh, it's terrible the way, you know, uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid and all the big clubs across Europe, they, they covet our players. You know, back in the day when it was Thierry Henry, when it was Robert Perez, when it was Patrick Vieira, uh, you know, when Cesc Fabregas, Barcelona, you know, all these links. But that's, that's what happens when you have really great players. Other teams want mm-hmm. them. They don't want the fucking guy who's like five, six out of 10 every week. They want the guy who can give you 10 out of 10 and do it eight out of 10 most of the rest of the time, you know. So it's um, it's just something that you have to contend with. And when you've gone out and you've bought these players for big money and helped them develop into to to better talents, I guess, then, you know, you, you've got to do what it takes to keep them.
0: I completely agree. I mean, look, uh, right now, Alexis, you know, will feel that he's in an incredibly powerful position mm. in terms of his contract talks. Özil too, but I think particularly Alexis, the way he's playing, um, and you know, Arsenal, Arsenal don't have much choice really. If they want to keep him, they're going to have to pay him close to what he wants. Mm. Uh, and, and I'd suggest it's worth it. I, I really would. I, I do think that if you're looking to replace someone like him, it's going to cost you. A lot, tens and tens of millions of pounds to find a player of that calibre. If you can find one. That's the real question. You know, how long have we been looking for a centre-forward of this quality? Mm. And we've got one now. Mm. It's, we've spent years trying to get somebody mm. like this. I mean, it was and interesting. I,
2: Sorry, go on. Go on.
0: No, I just I just don't see, you know, I mean, we can all say the name Antoine Griezmann, but it doesn't mean that we can get him. Yeah, so of it's course. like... It's it's not really this. It's impossible. It's difficult yeah. to know if we could ever replace
2: him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like um, when we got the news about Sandy Cazorla last week, and Arsene Wenger asked, "Are you going to go out and buy somebody in in January to replace Sandy Cazorla?" And he said, "Well, look, we've got plenty of midfielders, but you don't just go out and buy another Sandy Cazorla." Because, you know, there isn't a guy out there really um, who can do what he does in in his very unique way. You know, that he's a a fairly special talent, um, as is uh, Alexis Sanchez and as is Mesut Ozil. So I think think the club are really going to have to push the boat out here. Because losing one or either of them, um, it would just send such a terrible message, I think. About what our ambitions are and what our stature is, and uh, y- you know we've we've got to keep them, and that's going to mean probably a, a structured deal in some way or another. That their main salary isn't quite as big as it uh, as it appears, but there's a signing on fee or there's image rights, or so there are things that they can do to make sure that their their earnings are on a par with the best players in the Premier League, and they are two of the best players. Um, Certainly in the top five, both of them, in the Premier League. And I can understand why they want the money that they want.
0: I mean, signing on fee might be a smart way to do it. I don't know how these things always work, but Mm. that seems to make sense, right? If only
2: you had somebody in your family that you could ask, James.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, I will, but I think... Uh, yeah, these figures are going to be absolutely enormous. Do you think their futures in any way linked? Do you think if you're Alexis Sanchez or Mesut Ozil, do you think if you see one player going, that would affect how you felt about the club and vice versa?
2: Uh, maybe, yeah. I mean, I think I think if we could sign one, then it goes a long way or some way at least to convincing the other that that the guy... I mean, those two seem to have a special relationship as well. They seem to get on well on the pitch. Um, they look for each other all the they time. Know yeah. Th-
0: they know they're the best, don't they, basically?
2: Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it feels like that. I think so. And yeah. like, um, yeah, I mean, you could see if, for example, Alexis announced tomorrow, I'm not going to stay, then maybe messi would would have a rethink and vice versa. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, they, there could be a, a fairly strong link between the two, yeah.
0: I wonder, and you do wonder if they're agents have a chat and say well look mm. we're going to hold out for this, do you hold out for that Yeah. Uh, it's funny when Alexis went clear on goal against West Ham I sort of remarked that part of me was a little bit surprised that he passed you know because he can be quite uh, selfish in those scenarios and someone replied to me saying well I don't think he would have passed if it was anyone other than Ozil <laughs> <laughs> maybe and so there is something in that, they, mm. they do seem to look for each other don't they, more, mm. than, more than others
2: yes indeed, alright I think it's your question I think it is,
0: actually. Um, let's have this one from Mark Starling, who's at MarkStarling5 on Twitter. He says, would you rest the big boys, or Sanchez, etc., against Basel?
2: Um, I would be slightly tempted, yeah, a little bit, to be honest. Uh, it would depend on how they're feeling. What you don't want to do is necessarily interrupt their momentum or, or their confidence in how they're playing. Um... But if you look at what's coming up, uh, there's some big games uh, in in the Premier League. Obviously, Everton, we've got Stoke, we've got Manchester City coming up. I would be tempted to sort of rotate a little bit, all right, uh, and see what we can do against Basel. I, I wouldn't not bring them, but I would be definitely tempted to... To rest them a little bit from the start. If we need them, we can bring them on. But you've got to have a bit of uh, bit of faith in the rest of the squad. You know, Olivier Giroux should be back. Lucas Perez is there. Um, Alex Awobi can come in. You know, there are there Aaron are Ramsey. options. Aaron Ramsey, exactly. There are options uh, to to keep things relatively fresh. And you know, as much as people want to complain about what happened last week in the EFL Cup against Southampton, there's no doubt in my mind that the fact that we didn't play any of those big boys in midweek had an effect on our performance against West Ham. And that's the trade-off, you know, it's 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 keeping those players fresh for the Premier League. Um, obviously, you want to win the game. You want to hopefully win the group. Um, and I think we can do that with the squad that we've got against a team like like Basel, not underestira- underestimating them in any way. But I, I do think that uh, it, it probably would be wise. What, would, what do you reckon? Is it? Here's another question: right. Do you think Asensio will rest the big boys? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I've found it very hard to second guess him this season. Normally, you can sort of say, "Oh, I think he might do this. I think he'll do that." But it's it's been much more difficult this season that some of the decisions he's made um, haven't been quite what you would expect. Mm. I mean, he's been a bit a bit more a bit more willing to take risks. Uh, and stuff with players. So, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he just played more or less the same team that that beat uh, that beat West Ham. But I think there is room to make changes without it necessarily disrupting too much.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think he'll go with a very similar team, if I'm honest. Mm. I think he'll try and keep that momentum going. I think he is eager to try and top the group, mm. you know, at, at any cost, really. But I personally would probably rest and rotate a little bit, especially given mm. that... It's going to be very hard to top the group. We really need a favour from Luteguerras, you know. Yeah. PSG
2: uh, lost at the um, weekend, though, so
0: they did indeed. Yeah, mm. heavily so, three nil to uh, Montpellier. Mm. But um, I don't. I haven't actually looked at that game. I don't know if they were resting players with the Champions League in mind or what have you. But yeah, uh, we shall see. I, I, I would. I would be tempted to rest a couple. It's Stoke, is it at the weekend after yeah.
2: that? Yeah. Stoke at home, so yeah. It should be, it should be all right, but we'll see. Yeah, all right. Here is a question from James, another James, James, Uh, at Barrier Freeman. And he says, what advice would you give to someone who appears to have fallen out of love with football as I seem to? Hashtag RS Extra.
0: That's very sad. I mean, I'd say review the events of this weekend for a start. And if I think if if those can't get you back into love with football, if Jose Mourinho's sad face can't make you love football again, mm. I don't know if there's any help for you.
2: Really. <laughs> I do, I, you know, I I agree, and obviously the Alexis Sanchez thing that I would agree, but you know, I would also say that sometimes it's really important to be able to take a step back from football and remember that football doesn't just exist uh, on Twitter and the people that follow the club don't exist just on Twitter, that there is, there, there are other things to enjoy about the game. Uh, you know, there's the social element. So, you know, if you can watch games with friends or find a good pub to watch it in with other Arsenal fans, that helps. That sort of sense of community really helps. But also remember that it's, it's sort of completely and utterly out of your hands. At the end of the day, you're you're putting your emotions, you're putting your heart into this thing over which you have no control. And that can mm-hmm. be frustrating. But if you step back and just realize, look, it is what it is. It's not the end of the world if things don't go the way that we want them to go. I, I think that gives you the... The, the the platform to deal with the crushing inevitable heart-wrenching disappointments that football and arsenal are capable of giving you and then you have these moments which are so amazingly brilliant as well when you do win things when you win the fa cup when you do the double when you go a season unbeaten you you have to be able to deal with the difficult things to really enjoy the the great things so that's uh, that would be my advice
0: that is good advice. The other thing I always find helpful if I am starting to become a bit disillusioned is I think a, a kick around does wonders for your appreciation of the game. <laughs> just, <laughs> first of all, just because it's like fun, you know, but it also reminds you quite, you know, the the, the level of skill <laughs> of the people that you're watching as compared to your own. And that can, you know, ease some frustrations and put things
2: in perspective. Sure, sure. Uh, Jose, any thoughts on uh, on what James needs to do to... Fall in love with football again?
0: No thoughts. No thoughts. No comments.
2: Yeah, very fucking helpful. You are, you cunt.
0: Yeah, thanks a lot, mate. No thoughts whatsoever. Prick. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Have you got a question? I have, actually. This is from um, Gunner Outpost on Twitter. Hmm. And they inquire, what have you heard about Dan Crowley's return to Arsenal?
2: I have not heard anything about Dan Crowley's return to Arsenal, other than what we saw last week, where he was... It looks as if there were attitude problems, and he was. Uh, Oxford appeared to have cut short the loan um, mm. and, and sent him back. Um, and it's the second season in a row that's happened. He was supposed to spend six months last season on loan at Barnsley, and that was cut short. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean. If you heard uh, the podcast a few weeks ago with Stephen Bradley, a really, a really bright young talent um, over from yeah. Ireland, who uh, came to Arsenal and got a little bit, I guess, carried away with the money and and the fact that, you know, he was a, a young player at Arsenal. I'm not sure if he thought he was the the the. the big cheese or anything like that. But certainly it can have an effect. So I don't know if that's the situation with Dan Crowley. But you'd have to be a little bit worried um, when for the second season in a row, a loan spell hasn't worked out the way you would like. And it's not as if he wasn't playing for Oxford. I think he would 13 appearances and three goals. And last season he, he made plenty of appearances for Barnsley. So there, there does seem to be something a little bit up.
0: Yeah, I don't think Austin awesome Wenger will be too impressed by that. It's an interesting one, Crowley, because he's been very talked about since his mid-teens. He came from Aston Villa uh, in 2013 to Arsenal. And, you know, I mean, there were comparisons with Jack Wilshere and all sorts. He's 19 now, so he's still young, actually. Mm. But he's not really been knocking on the door of the first team, has he? I mean, he's been involved in a couple of pre-season games, but beyond that... Yeah. um, Obviously, very, very talented guy, but struggling for a a foothold at... Loan, but that's mm. I mean, that's not actually that unusual anymore, is it? I feel like increasingly our players, uh, our best prospects, don't necessarily do particularly well on loan. Yeah, Arsenal almost seems to prefer, I mean, even a guy like Tuber Akpom, you know, who has been out various loan spells, various clubs, hasn't set the world alight yet, doesn't seem to have dramatically altered the way Arsenal feels about him. So, what well, I don't know, time will tell. I, th- I think, uh, hopefully, these attitude problems nothing serious because it would be a real shame if they mm. undermined the career of a talented guy
2: alright Bobby at Bobby Vertigo wants to know um, how concerned should we be having kept only four clean sheets in 14 league games We're on course for 38 goals conceded after 38 league games which is a higher tally than any successful title winning team this century with the exception of Manchester United in 2012-13 who let in 43 goals and he says cheers 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 cheers
0: yeah, I saw that, actually. Um, I saw that question and highlighted it myself. I mean, it doesn't sound great on paper, doesn't it? They're on course to concede uh, more goals than they're a title-winning team. But then, mm. not that many teams have conceded fewer than us, when you look at the league table. It's only uh, Chelsea, who've conceded 11 in the Premier League, as opposed right. to our 14, and Spurs, who've conceded uh, 10 but not scored very many right so we actually have the third high you know the third lowest goals against total in the Premier League so it's not it's not the disaster it necessarily sounds like uh, I, I wonder if that means maybe there are more goals going in I don't know yeah. It's this curious thing where we seem a little bit more solid as a team but occasionally defensively vulnerable. I think basically the the team's been recalibrated to be more attacking. I think we're better going forward than we were last year by some distance. So I suppose we're not being hurt as much by the defensive uh, frailties.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess so as long as you keep scoring and I think probably that's the right way to look at it rather than Historically, looking at how many goals people have let in, if you want to look at our defensive record in comparison to the to the teams around us, and that will give you a better idea of where we are. You know, so we're not too far away from Chelsea or too far away from from Tottenham. Really, you know, I I do think though that there sometimes you feel like we feel like we're going to concede. Do you know what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say there? That, that we always feel a little bit vulnerable. Now, whether that's just me being fatalistic and looking at every available opportunity for the opposition as a clear cut chance, but I think to, to, to a certain extent, we have, we have got away with it a little bit defensively this season. There have been moments where had the opposition been more clinical or more efficient, then our season might not be going quite as well as we would like. But then again, that's part and parcel of, Part and parcel of football as well, um, but I, you know, I think we could do with just being a little bit tighter at the back. Um, but I don't think we have to be especially concerned as long as we're, we're we're clicking from an attacking point of view. When that vulnerability that you have is coupled with, I guess, an impotence up front, then you'd be really worried. But I think this is a team when you look at the players that we have for those front three positions, it's a team with plenty of goals in it. So I think we can get away with it.
0: They say leagues are, they say, I don't know who they are, probably people like Chris Sutton, but they say (laughs) leagues are uh, founded on good defences rather than good attacks. Do you think there's truth in that?
2: Yeah. I mean, look, uh, yeah. I mean, if you're difficult to score against, um, then your, your chances of getting points from a game are increased, particularly if you can Mm. couple that with some, um, with some good attackers. But yeah, look, uh, George Graham's teams that won the league uh, were, were famously uh, defensively solid, weren't they? And, uh, you know, I don't think we're ever going to be a truly outstanding defensive team under Arsene Wenger. I don't think we've... It's just not the way that we play. And I think he's even said as much this season that the increased fluency in our attack has left us a little bit more exposed at the back. But that seems to be a trade off that he's willing to to deal with if it means that we're we're more threatening at the other end. So um it's not quite like uh Ozzy Ardilas is Tottenham, if you remember. Uh but no. you know, it, it it is part and parcel of the way Arsene Wenger wants to play football, and that means that there's an inherent risk when you when you pile forward that you're gonna leave yourself a little bit exposed. But I, you know, I don't think we have to be especially worried, so Okay. All well, right. Let's not especially worry then. Let's not. <laughs> that's me not worrying.
0: Oh, I see. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought what I thought that was was you being cut off, but no, it's no. just you not worrying.
2: Yeah, I was just sitting here not worrying, especially.
0: Uh well, I need you to worry a bit more than that. I need you to worry enough that we fill the podcast with sound. Ah, or...
2: okay, okay. Hang on, then. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's good. Is that's that better? Great. That's my not worrying, that's especially ab- sound. Yeah. That's
0: absolutely ideal. All right. Have you got one more? I haven't actually. That was my last one. You've pinched it from me.
2: All right. Okay. Well, here's uh, here's a couple to finish with. Uh, JJ Ball wants to know, how dare you?
0: Uh, how very dare we? Mm. Um, I guess, you know, it's just confidence, isn't it? Like yeah. Alexis with the chip. How dare he? How, confidence.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, self-belief and some nice rubbing oils.
0: That's it. But the, the thing is, if we win at the SFF awards tonight that only then and only then can we really be called a world-class podcast podcast
2: indeed yeah that'd be amazing you're gonna you're gonna have to make a speech if we win that would be that would be fantastic oh interesting in a room room full of your podcasting peers football journalists writers james richardson from guardian football weekly podcast He's the host well, he'll I think is if
0: we've won. Yeah, exactly. He's got a foot in both camps there. Yeah,
2: he'll just like throw the trophy at your head. Fuck you. Yeah. But if they win then there's there's got to be big questions asked if they win. Oh, the presenter of the awards has just won the best podcast, you say. Oh, how could that have happened, I wonder, you might say. Well,
0: well I, I will, say you that will say. I'll be asking those questions. I always stood on a table asking those questions.
2: Fix. Fix.
0: Yeah. Just so <laughs> shout it yeah. out.
2: And then you can uh, try and get in a fight with uh, Robbie Savage if he's there. Like that time he tried oh, to lovely. get in a fight with Barry Glendinning. Yeah. A couple exactly. of years ago. Well, that was
0: fun. I'll, uh, I'll, uh, If he's there, I'll, I'll remind him of it. Mm. See how that goes
2: down. Yeah, do. You know, you should, if Robbie Savage is there, uh, I was talking to him and he said, I'm going to tell you the real reason why Arsenal re-signed Mathieu Flamini. Thierry Henry told me what it is. And I went, oh, that sounds interesting. What is it? And he went... No, I can't tell you. I was like, oh, you fucking dick. Tell me now. Oh. And he wouldn't tell me. So maybe there's some mystery there that Robbie Savage is prepared to release now that Matthew Flamini is no longer an Arsenal player. He's I, doing his pointing at Crystal Palace.
0: I can only assume that it's something like, I don't know, Arsene Wenger knew that he would get on so well with Mesut Ozil. He's signed Matthew Flamini to lure Mesut Ozil
2: from mm. Real Madrid. Yeah. It, it must be that. That's exactly it. All right, final one. It comes from Tom Stevens on Facebook, uh, who wants to know, would it be funnier if a bee flew into Harry Kane's mouth during a match, or if Jose Mourinho totally lost the plot and knocked out Wayne Rooney?
0: <laughs> Harry Kane already sounds a bit like he's got a bee in his mouth when he speaks.
2: He does a bit, in fairness. He does. I once, um... Um, I once flew into a bee. No, I cycled into a bee.
0: I was going to say, you can't fly, so I, I reckon...
2: Yeah, that was, that was wrong. I, I can cycle, though, and I was cycling my bike very fast as a kid, and there must have been a bee just sort of buzzing along, minding his own business, and I went, zoom! And, like, literally, uh, my lip was, uh, was enormous. It was huge. It, it, like, got stung by the bee, and the bee, I assume, went off and died. Isn't that what happens when a bee stings you? Like the stinger comes yeah. out and it rips out the insides of the bee. And the bee is like, ah, this is a terrible, painful way to die. Why did you why did you fly into These my arse? These are like, a, like an allegory for
0: nuclear war. Do you know what I mean? Like they've got a big red button, but the consequences for them are, are awful. So <laughs> oh, it's
2: wow. That's, yeah. that's the most <laughs> profound thing I think anyone has ever said on this podcast.
0: <laughs> if only we'd said it before the voting closed for the SRF. It'd
2: be a shoe. Um, well, I mean, we know yeah. the, whole thing, the whole thing is fixed anyway. It's, it's just completely That's fixed, true. you
0: know. It is fixed. Um, that my aunt is allergic to bees, but oh, yeah. she once yeah. ate a cake that had a bee on it. I think we to- you told this story before, all right, yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, because I, I, again, I mean, it's worth repeating, I just don't know how you could eat something not knowing mm. there was a bee on it. I just, I... It beggars belief. If I was allergic to bees, I'd be looking out for them all the time. I wouldn't be just willy-nilly putting things in my mouth, wondering, oh, there might be a bee on it, there might not. I'd be checking.
2: I mean, it could have been a bee-coloured cake. Yeah, like a bee-themed cake.
0: Like a little sugar bee on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe. But what's the question? A bee oh, in yeah, Harry a bee Cain's- or no. Jose
2: Mourinho <laughs> uh, losing the plot and knocking out Wayne Rooney, I assume, like, with a by punching him in the head. I think that would be by far the funnier.
0: Yeah, it might happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, he looks like he's on the verge of a breakdown. It could happen.
2: Yeah, but come on. There's no way he could do it. It's Jose Mourinho well, that's against the thing. Wayne he Rooney. Hits... He, he, would, he would just, like Rooney would just stand there. Rooney looks like a guy that you could punch 50 times in the head and he'd go, again! You know, one of those guys. I think Mourinho would break his hand yeah. on that. Yeah, that would be funnier. That would be quite uh, funny. Th- that would be
0: funny. When Joseph Mourinho punches Wayne Rooney in the head and breaks his hand in doing so.
2: And a bee then flies into his mouth and uh, down his gullet, like that, uh, like uh, in Star Wars, where it goes down mm. into the Death Star, drops off a bomb, like stings him on the appendix. And uh, that would be I, hilarious. I, I,
0: I think a couple of bees fly down Joseph Mourinho's mouth, breed inside him, and then a fleet of bees bursts forth from inside him
2: and oh. kill him. That would be fucking... Imagine at his his post-game press conference, Jose, uh, have you got anything to say? And instead of saying... No thoughts. No thoughts. No comments. He would just be like... And like loads of bees just spew out of his mouth. And Jeff Shreves is running off going, No! I don't like bees. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. He's allergic. He is allergic. Uh, I believe he once had a cake, though, Jeff Shreves. He had a cake with a bee on it. Is Jeff Shreves your aunt? Is that what we're saying here? Yes.
0: Yeah. It all, it all ties up. And TGF.
2: And TGF. All right. Well, listen. Uh, have a great night tonight at the uh, the FSF Awards. Cause mayhem. And uh, of oh, course, right. be, will be very gracious. Of course, if we win, that's the only. That's the only thing.
0: Okay. Was is there anyone you'd like me to mention in the speech?
2: Um. Let me think about that. Yes, Harvey Keitel. If you could mention okay. Harvey Pytel, that would be that would be fantastic because he's been, I mean, as you know, he's been a tremendous help to us here on the podcast, a great sure. friend to us sure. down the years. So uh, this one's for you, Harvey. If we win,
0: thanks, Harvey. Thanks for doing all the editing and stuff.
2: We yeah. appreciate it. Top man, top man. All right. Well, look, uh, we'll have an Arscast on Friday. James and I will be here to look back at the uh, game against Stoke uh, next Monday on the Arscast Extra. So until then, have a good one.
0: Bye bye. <laughs>